Journeyman Chronicles. So I'm sitting in the corner of my bedroom in the chair that um, that my wife put here. And so I, I've gotten used to it. I've gotten used to it and I like it. I'm going to test this chair out during this episode because it's leather. So I'm hoping that I don't uh, that this mic doesn't pick up too much of the leather. Because if it doesn't, I'm probably going to use these chairs once I start doing in-person interviews. But who knows? This is episode 19 of the Journeyman Chronicles, continuing through Black History Month. Um, Episode 18, I got to talk with Chef Oliver Say, break down a lot of the West African diaspora and uh, his business, uh, Homage, how they incorporate the cuisine that is influenced of the West African diaspora and, of course, the history that he brings along with it. So that was cool. That was actually really cool. Really grateful to have uh, have that time to talk with him because... And then, of course, there's there's stuff that I've learned even after the interview, doing research and looking things up. And I'm going to start uh, watching the uh, Netflix series that he pointed out to me called High on the Hog. It's a four part series. I want to start watching that just to continue uh, absorbing. You know, I don't want this to be like a one stop shop where uh, people come in, they share their story and then they bounce. And we are on to the next one, but I don't want to just stop entirely you know, in the background, I'm still looking up stuff. I mean, I'm still trying to drink more water and and learn how to incorporate that into my lifestyle so I can continue to be a better, healthy individual. Just like Coach Joe, Joe Allen, Poff was talking with me about a few episodes back, you know, little things like that. I, I still try to take what somebody gives me and uh, continue to uh, learn and build on it. So, um, Thank you, Chef. Episode 18, a lot of people are are listening to that. I mean, I'm grateful. But episode 19, I wanted to I wanted to continue, obviously, uh, diving into Black History Month. But I wanted to uh, talk about something that um, was more personal for me. It, it kind of happened on its own. I wasn't really anticipating on doing this. Um, but oh, I guess it was. Let me see here. Um, I might've been at work when I'm, you know, well, no, it definitely wasn't at work. I think it was on the way home or on the way to work. I don't know where I was, but Otis popped into my mind, Otis Redding. Uh, if you guys do not know, uh, Otis Redding is the, uh, considered the king of soul. I've been loving you too long. Stop now. You um, it's from Georgia. Very popular in the '60s, uh, late '50s into the '60s. Yeah, I mean, you may know of the song "The Dock of the Bay." Just sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. Pain in my heart. Pain in my heart. Treating me Try a little tenderness, which is my favorite. But while she's there waiting, and without them, 
And there's another song called, um, what's it called here? Like, I Got Dreams to Remember or something like that. I've got dreams, dreams to remember. I've got dreams, dreams to remember. Yeah, I've got dreams to remember. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so there's a lot I want to get into with Otis Redding, um, because um, there's like a two two part episode here. I want to obviously incorporate this into my journey and how Otis um, helped me and his music, how his music helped me. But also, I also want to dive into how Otis Redding and other artists, other black artists, how they helped cultivate the musical landscape of music. All different types of genre stems back from black influence. And um, most of the time, the credit isn't given to the artist, to the black artist. And so I really want to uh, break that down in the best that I can, because as much as there's stuff that I know, but I don't know everything. But music for me has always been a, a key component uh, in my life. I need it every day. I need I, even when I'm not listening to music, I'm I'm listening to music in my head. Uh, you can ask people that I work with. Some people may have seen me listening to music that I'm not really listening to. It's just, it's there. And sometimes I need it to be there to keep my sanity. But listening to Otis Redding. So the first time I ever heard Otis Redding, I didn't know the artist's name. I didn't know it was Otis Redding. The first song I ever heard was um, I've Got Dreams to Remember. And it's in a movie called Dream a Little Dream. It starred Corey Feldman and Corey Haim and a couple other prominent actors. I can't really remember, but they were the two big young stars back in back in the day. It was like an 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Um, the movie's called Dream a Little Dream. Anyway, there's there's a scene in that movie where um, I've got dreams to remember plays. And I remember as a child really enjoying that song. Because when Otis sings... There's just something about the infliction in his voice when he's talking about something that hurts, something that's sad, something that makes him sad. It's just so powerful and igniting. And fast forward now, I guess 20 years, who knows, right? Uh, it was 2014 and I am... You know, at this time in my life, 2014, I had already split. You can go back and listen to, I think it's like episode two, uh, Ground Zero. And I talk about, the, you know, moving into my friend's basement and um, meeting Alexandra, it not working. I'm now looking for my own place. In that moment when I'm looking for my own place, I'm missing Alexandra. I'm on my way home from work and I hear Try a Little Tenderness come on the radio. And I remember just like feeling like these words were written for me um, because 
And of course, at this time, you know, Alexandra and I aren't talking and I'm, we're, we're talking, but not like we used to. And I'm angry and I'm, I'm trying to understand this, this complex woman. And then I'm getting frustrated and Otis comes on the radio and he's like, you know, just, just try a little tenderness. But he also breaks down in that song where he tries to give you like a perspective. You know, she's been through a lot. You know, you got to give her a little, give her some time. Take it easy. Try a little tenderness. And, you know, I'm not going to say that Otis Redding brought Alexandra back. That's not where I'm going with this at all. What that song did for me, though, is it, it led me down a rabbit hole of listening to more of his music and being such a huge fan of the energy and the the soul that this man could bring just by talking about anything cigarettes and coffee i think is another song that i think of and it it's like he that song is just great to listen to he has this voice such a soulful impactful voice um that i began listening to more of his music and i bought like a a four cd set and listening to otis redding's music you know a lot in the in the apartment i'd be cooking dinner or whatever just chilling in my room listening to otis and he was like every song i felt like was written after something that i had experienced and it was helpful because i was i was in a really dark space you know not as dark as i was in the basement but i was in a dark like depressing state uh because i missed alexandra i was also you know dealing with restarting my life you know which at 35 years old nobody gives you like a a handbook like most things in life <laughs> nobody gives you a handbook and says well just follow this guideline just follow this guideline and you'll be fine so Listening to Otis Redding really helped me structure where my mind would go because my mind would tend to drift, which is what happens when you're depressed or not focused in a depressed state. Your mind will start to drift and you need to find you need to find things to help keep you focused um, so that you can have some sort of structure and the days will go by better and faster and your life will begin to pick up. You'll begin to, to feel yourself moving in a positive way. Otis Redding, for me, gave me that structure in my life. And it was like having, it was like having a big brother speak on my behalf because I just couldn't figure out the words to do it myself. I think that's why Otis is special for me. His music is really special for me and look there were other artists that I listened to during that time it wasn't just Otis Redding I listened to a lot of different artists old and new I was getting hip to a lot of new music and I was rediscovering old artists in a different way because as you get older you, you know people's music tends to hit you differently but Otis for some reason to this day when he comes on I have to just stop what I'm doing I gotta listen to this music I gotta listen to his words um, because it's just so Oh, even uh, the dock of the bay. That's a really laid back and easy song, but he's, he's so compassionate and so soulful. Even in those moments, listening to that song, he, 
You know, he's just chilling, uh, you know, enjoying the weather, sitting on the dock of the bay. Uh, I think that song actually came out uh, when he passed. He, Otis Redding passed away at 26 years of age um, in a plane accident, went down in a, in a lake. And that's another thing is, which we tend to kind of experience with people who pass away at a young age, um, that they have such an impact on other people, but it also, they also have like an old soul to them, uh, that you don't look at them at being so young. 26 years old to me is, is a little kid. And Otis Redding was like this grown man who was speaking about things that I was going through and that I could relate to. And when I found out how old he was when he passed away, it blew me away. But I think of other artists like that. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Tupac, um, you know, yeah, Biggie. Um, artists that have passed away in their, you know, very early, very young. Even Bob Marley. Bob was in his mid-30s when he passed away. But you don't look at them and think of how young they were because they they have this cultured view on the world through their music that gives you the impression that they have been through so much that they've lived this long life and I think that's why when I listen to Otis Redding I am not perplexed but just amazed that he was able to convey these strong sentiments and these strong emotions at you know, 24, 25, 26. <laughs> it just blows me away. Um, and when I listen to his music now, I don't even think about how young he was because I get lost in, in the words and his emotion. And like I said, his infliction. And it helped me. And it helps me now. It calms me down. So Otis Redding and his music, I'm very grateful for. Um, and there isn't any other artist that does that to me. And I love music. There's a lot of artists. I, you know, I grew up like everybody did in the 80s. I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. Um, I loved Prince. I got into a lot of, uh, I listened to a lot of um, soul when, when I was little. My mom would play a lot of like Motown or, you know. My mom loved uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes. I listened to a lot of that. Um, I listened to a lot of uh, Nina Simone without even knowing what her name was. I loved soul music because for some reason I related to it, even as a young child, that it was pure. It was real. It was from the heart. It made you feel something. And no matter how old you get and no matter how long that you live this life, you still can relate to these emotions that are conveyed through the music. So that's my, my love and my connection for, for the music of Otis Redding. And he passed away young. I think, yeah, a plane went down. I think he was jumping around on tour. And everybody died except for one. There was one survivor. I think it's a shame when anybody passes away at a young age. Because you never know where they could have gone. And when they were able to give you something to listen to. 
I mean, here we are 60 years later, 60 plus years later. And I'm, I'm listening to his music. The world is still listening to his music, hanging on to every word, enjoying it, feeling it, relating to it. That's remarkable. That's an impact. That's everybody would want to have an impact on somebody like that because that's how the world then grows. You would want to have, you would want to have an impact on somebody so that they can become a better person, better people living off of what you've learned. And that's what, that's what music does for me. And a lot of the music that I listened to was heavily influenced by black artists. So much so that I just, I, I, I realized immediately that, you know, African-Americans in this country were able to have this ability with their music to convey emotion. And it's because they've been through so much and, and it, it sounds so good that of course you're going to have, you know, once that gets in the wrong hands, you got record labels and whatnot, taking music uh, from artists, not compensating them or royalties were never really honored you got music that were written by black artists but then white artists take it and make make money off of it and become famous in their own right off of the music that wasn't really inspired by their own thoughts or their own doing but instead of getting into the politics of that it it, my goal was really to just shine the light on the influence that black artists have had on rock and roll. Um, and there's so many different subgenres now with rock music, but you look at Chuck Berry, little Richard, these artists really sculpted and paved the way for rock and roll music to be in the mainstream. I mean, you got Bo Diddley. You, I mean, Chuck Berry is considered the father of rock and roll. Um, so, and you got jazz that was started in Louisiana and New Orleans with a community of black people that started that. And there's different types of jazz. You know, I, I read a book. I actually got it on my nightstand right now. Okay, let me preface this by saying I didn't read the entire book. I have yet to finish it and, and really get going with it, which I really should now that I'm bringing this up. But it's called The Big Payback. And it's about... It's about exactly what we're talking about now, the African-American influence on music and how it um, made its way through so many genres and became so popularized. But they have yet to really and they meaning the black artists and their families have yet to really benefit from royalties and whatnot. When you have these black artists in the late 19th century going into 20th century and, you know, the 40s and 50s and 60s. Um, the music that was written in the genres of rock, jazz, blues, really becoming coming to the forefront where you have the majority of the youth in America, which is young white kids loving this music. And it just becomes a machine. And, the, you know, those black artists never really got recognized or compensated correctly. Uh, and like I said, I'm not that well versed in the history of that, but I know of it. And so maybe one day we can talk to somebody uh, who knows a lot more than I do. But I do know that. 
Um, so you got rock, you got jazz, you got blues. And then, of course, hip hop. Hip hop music is is just the the grandchild of all of those things because a lot of the artists in the 80s and 90s of hip hop grew up listening to rock and jazz and blues. And so they were heavily inspired by a lot of these artists um, that I mentioned earlier. And that's why a lot of the early 90s hip hop music had that Afrocentric vibe to it. You know, you have obviously my first go to right now is Tribe, Tribe Called Quest. And you've got um, Public Enemy. Um, you got X-Clan. You got uh, Arrested Development. You got Brand Nubian. Um, KRS-One, Boogie Down Productions. You got De La Soul. That came in, you know, uh, and, and um, I think they came in like maybe mid to late nineties. I can't really recall, but uh, like those are just a few. Eric B and Rakim, very Afrocentric rap artists that were influenced by the culture of the blues, the jazz, the rock and roll of black artists, and then using that in in their music as hip hop really blew up. That's why a lot of the sampling is with jazz and uh jazz breaks and whatnot um pete rock and cl smooth pete, pete rock you did that a lot same thing with tribe and a lot of other artists and i, and I know i'm missing some i'm just trying to you know give a, a general idea but if we're going to talk about black history in, in, in this small window that i i'm somewhat familiar of i can i can speak on that you got to talk about how the black artists never got the credit that they deserved, but as hip hop kind of became what it was, it was like they were paying homage back to the artists that they loved and respected, and they created their own music through that. And so now, of course, when you listen to rap music and hip hop, it that that has now become so much. There's so many subcategories in that now. You know, I'm I'm going down a a rabbit hole, but I think it's important to not just know it but understand that. The only reason why black artists were never truly compensated for the work was because the record labels, the radio stations, you know, they were all white. And I'm not saying white people are all wrong. I'm just saying when you have a, a era of time where the white male is the is the main face of, of the country and aspects of media, they're going to dominate and regulate what goes in and what goes out. And so it just, you know, that's just the way it, it ended up being. And the only way we could really benefit from talking about something like that is to learn, learn of it and, and recognize, you know, the influence of music that we listen to now all roots back to black artists, African-American music. And that's the truth. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not up here talking like I'm this professor that I or some historian and I don't know much about it I just know a little bit that I, I wanted to share I'm sure somebody hopefully knows a lot more they can come in and we can chop it up and talk about it in more detail and why is it important that we talk about it it's important because it's actual and it's factual so why not you know I'm not asking for anybody to feel guilty I'm not asking for white people to listen to this and feel like I feel like all white people are wrong I don't think anybody wants that reaction, but really we just want to learn and understand so that we can understand other things in life when it comes to black people influencing aspects of our lives, our daily lives and not getting the recognition for it. It can be a very frustrating thing. 
but there's just something about soul music and Otis for me. And as I was, you know, listening to some Otis writing earlier this week and a lot of this came into my mind and I said, man, I really want to talk about this because the stuff that I don't know is still important and vital and can be celebrated and recognize the history of black people. And what I do know is, is what I'm willing to share and, and it can be used as a conversational piece. Who knows? But I know just for me personally, growing up, it was, we listened to more, there was more Spanish music and soul music. There was salsa and there was Motown more in my house than any other genre. And I had both, both of my parents were really into music. I mean, you know, my dad was always more so the, the very quiet introverted part of the relationship with my mom. When my parents were married, my mom was the more vibrant, outgoing, outspoken, but even though their musical choices were different, they were still very passionate about music. My dad was, my dad listened to a lot of Herb Albert music. Herb Albert plays, uh, I think Herb Albert plays the trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. Herb, Herb Albert plays the trumpet. My dad had a lot of Herb Albert records and he, he would just, you know, there was a lot of like instrumental type of music that Herb Albert would play and different types of genres he would play that I loved and uh I can't think of I wonder if you guys are here in this leather seat right now this may not be a good choice to sit on but I can't really remember the names of the other music my dad listened to but there were different types of like I you know like I kind of compare it to like the you know the lo-fi beat chill music the different types of lo-fi beat chill music that you have on you know, Spotify or Pandora or iHeart, whatever, you're, wherever you're getting your music from. When you think of chill music and lo-fi, like I get into that a lot. And I think I get that from my dad. My dad would probably really enjoy those, those genres of music if he isn't already. But I grew up listening to my dad, listen to those stuff. So I, I became really like, I became very eclectic at a young age. And so I embraced all kinds of music a lot, but more so really, I mean, I, ideally it was, it was soul music more than anything. And that's where my love for hip hop became, uh, grew. That's where my love of hip hop grew. You know, when I was 14, 15 and 16, I fell in love with hip hop music. I fell in love with hip hop music when at early nineties, I was, uh, I went to project forward leap. Um, if anybody doesn't know PFL, I don't know if they, I don't think they still do PFL, but I was a part of the third class, the third class of that program. Um, you were like selected by teachers and then uh, they would take children that were selected by teachers and they would be, the, t the children would be interviewed for this program. But pretty much what it was is they'd take inner city youth and they would put them in um, here in Millersville university for six weeks on campus during the summer, three years in a row. And what you're doing there pretty much is you're living on campus you're eating in the dining hall. You're walking the campus to your classes. You're living the college life, so to speak. You're getting a head start on the education that you'll be going into that following year. So I started at the end of my sixth grade year. I got interviewed. I got accepted. I went to PFL my first summer. 
I got hip to what I was going to learn in seventh grade. When I got to seventh grade, I was already somewhat aware because I'd done this during the summer. And then the following year, and the, or the following summer, once again, four to six weeks on campus, you're with the same class every summer. By the third year, we all knew each other. And I'll be honest, I, got, I think I got homesick a lot. It was the first time I had ever been away from home for that long. But, you know, that experience... Uh, the majority of us were black and brown kids. There were some white kids also there, um, you know, but the, the majority of us were that lived in inner city youth was black and brown kids, black and brown people. So I was around a lot of black kids, a lot of Latinos, and we were around counselors who were black and brown also. And that's when I really was able to finally really listen and hear hip hop for the first time hip hop music I remember walking into my counselor's room and seeing a public enemy poster on the wall not knowing what that meant but just being really interested in the music um, and a lot of the Afro centricity the Afrocentric vibe was really really strong like I said in the 90s that's that's really when hip hop music um, took off from the 80s into the 90s and became this the black culture music and then of course we can talk about how it's changed since then but i was listening to public enemy i heard eric b and rock kim p rock and cl smooth when i heard troy i think troy was the first song i heard when i was like yo my mind's blown. I love this shit. Reminisce for a spell, or shall I say, think back. Yeah. 22 yeah. years ago to keep it on track. Uh -huh. The birth of a child on the 8th of October. Like a toast, that. but my granddaddy came sober. Count all the fingers and the toes. Now I suppose you hope the little black boy grows. Yeah. Uh, they reminisce over you by Pete Rock and CL Smooth. And so anyway, that's where I was, you know, I grew up listening to soul music. And in, in, in the small amount of, of um records that my mom had and my dad had and they didn't have a, a shit ton of them but the ones that they did were so great um that i was already kind of hip to some of the music and then hip-hop came and changed my life so i think that's why i'm really comfortable talking about this because for them for the amount that i do not know i i know enough to be confident to say this is real this is what happened of course things are always up for debate but i'm this is um, this is a part of black history, in my opinion, and me being, you know, Puerto Rican, you know, growing up, a lot of my friends were different races and a lot of my friends now are different races. I just always had more black and brown friends. So I'm very close. Uh, you know, there's a lot of similarities with black families and Puerto and Spanish families. We always would my black friends and I would always talk about that. So, yes, it was just, you know. All these memories flood back into my mind. When we start, you know, all it takes is one, <laughs> all it takes is one song, and everything kind of floods back into my mind. But I, you know, the influence that black music has had in my life is significant, so significant that I felt I needed to speak on it and and share something about it. You know, when I talk about Otis and his impact on my life, really, it's it's Otis and the plethora of other artists and music musical genres that black artists have influenced and created they should be acknowledged for that so that's my um that's my contribution to the podcast for this week we can chalk this up as a uh, done episode 19 my journey part five now, i don't know how many parts to this journey i'm gonna deliver you know it ain't gonna be every other week it just happened to be like that these past couple 
episodes, but I could go another six, seven episodes before I gave you another part of my journey. So anyway, on to the next one. I will see you again in about a week with another interview. As always, please maintain focus. Stay continuous through all seasons. God bless. Take care of one another. Y'all be safe. Continue educating yourselves and learning about black history because once february is done the goal is to continue this energy and keep learning about all kinds of history because black history is american history all right y'all be safe peace